Hello, my name is Jillian. My name is Yolanda, and welcome to the Pemberley Podcast. So an article came out fairly recently that we tweeted about but didn't really address on the podcast, and I think it's time to talk about it. Basically, researchers have put together what they think Mr. Darcy actually would have looked like in real life. I mean, he's a fictional character, but he's described as like very tall and very handsome. And so in our modern age, we have had leading men such as Laurence Olivier and Colin Firth and Matthew McFadden and Colin Firth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and of course, our Daniel Vincent Gord portray Mr. Darcy in their sort of tall, strapping men with dark hair and they're, they've kind of got like the jawline and, and you know. Yeah. Anyway. So these researchers studied male beauty standards of that period and found that the square-jawed hero is virtually unknown at this period. And so Darcy would be a elegant rather than brawny type of person, more ballet dancer than beefcake. Yeah, and so I'm looking at the illustration right now that they pulled up. And, and we'll like, post this on our WordPress page as well. Yeah, and like, Yolanda, he's not cute. Like, <laughs> like I'm just going to say it. it it's shallow and it's a useless opinion but he's not and this is an artist's rendering of what the character would have looked like this is one interpretation he is does look like someone more of like very noble and and who would be more arrogant so seeing him like this a lot of the characterization makes more sense I don't like the powdered wig. Sure. That's probably my least favorite. Part. Yeah. You know, like, honestly, like, his, he, like, it's not like anything is, like, wrong with his face or body. I, well, I suppose, <laughs> like, he's wearing a powdered wig and he's got a very, very high forehead. I, I like Colin Firth. Like, I'm wearing a shirt this very second with Colin Firth's face on it. I'm wearing my Pride and Prejudice shirt. And I like his dark, curly hair that just, you know. Anyway, enough yeah. about my type. Sure. I would like to elaborate <laughs> by saying... All right, for those of you who were really into the Barbie movies that came out in the early 2000s, I'm not going to hide it. I was into them. That's where I res- that's where my interests would reside back in the day. And in 2004, what was it? Like Mattel. It was basically one of those direct-to-video movies. It's called The Princess and the Popper. It's basically The Prince and the Popper with Barbies, but the villain in there, his name is Preminger. I'll also post a picture of his <laughs> face on the WordPress page. This is what he reminds me of. Granted, the character was voiced by Martin Short, which is I feel like that was completely wasted on me as a, as however, a child. As a child, like a fourth grader in 2004. He doesn't look really like Martin Short, but I think that Mr. Darcy looks like this Preminger villain. So go check it out. And if you want good quality movies, go watch The Princess and the Popper. <laughs> And if you know what Jillian is referencing and you relate to this on a spiritual level, please tweet me because sometimes these Barbie references you get at, I'm like, where? What do where? you mean? You said references plural. What have I ever referenced another I'm Barbie? I'm like pretty sure there's been another one. <laughs> I'm like fairly certain. Someone can reference Probably. That. You know. <laughs> if you understand Jillian's obscure references, yes. email us at the Pemberley Podcast 
at gmail.com and uh, make I, me feel better about my life choices. I do like that the researchers, uh, it says in the article there, acknowledge the fact that Austin's use of few details to describe the character allows each generation to infuse Darcy with their own fantasy of masculine beauty. So this may have been the Darcy of Austin's time, but this is not the Darcy of the miniseries of like, you know, beauty standards change with every decade. And so the Darcy that we have for the Lizzie Bennet Diaries is what's most suited for this time period. But in like 10 to 20 years, Darcy will look different. I acknowledge this and accept it as a cyclical principle, but hashtag not my Darcy. Okay. You know? <laughs> not my darcy that's a great hashtag and i just just have the picture of this artist's uh, photo and like hashtag not my darcy guys let's retweet this and make it viral hashtag not my darcy i know this is like old news but we'll still make it relevant oh yeah yeah making darcy articles relevant making darcy great again no this i I already i already hate this episode This episode is already dead to me. Too far. Before we get any further into that, <laughs> let's go into the episodes, starting with episode 37, Lydia versus Mr. Collins, written by Rachel Kiley. In this episode, Lizzie is quickly fed up with Lydia and Mr. Collins constantly on her case about every little thing. So Lizzie decides to storm out and leave them to bother one another. Yeah, like Lizzie really can't hang in this episode. I don't know how else to say it, but Lydia asks for one thing. I mean, granted, Lydia asks for one thing and then Collins asks for one thing. And because they both ask these one question, their single question at the same time, Lizzie is overwhelmed and is so overwhelmed, she says, my name is Lizzie Bennett, and I'm storming out. And then she storms out. <laughs> yes. And she lets the vlog continue. It's not like she like shuts it down and like, all right, you two bother me. I'm just going to leave, and I'm taking my camera. No, she lets it running, and she lets them to keep filming for her video project. She just figures she's going to edit everything out, and it's all going to be fixed in post. I think we get some great performances out of Mary-Kate and Maxwell Glick. I like this because it is taking two characters who wouldn't normally interact and forcing them to interact. And someone like Lydia, who's a very abrasive personality, and someone like Ricky, who's just a very annoying personality, putting them together and just saying, go, and (laughs) seeing what's going to happen. It's like one of them is going to have to forfeit And in the end, we do see that Lydia wins. Yeah, and it's funny because both of these characters annoy Lizzie in very different ways. Yeah. Lydia is just her, she's her baby sister and she loves her, but... I mean, she's just always trying to be in the spotlight, trying to like hog all the attention and it's just like too much for Lizzie. And then there's Collins who's just like, oh, but but did you know this really obvious thing? And she can't handle that. And mm-hmm. uh, But you're right. I do very much enjoy seeing Lydia kind of look at Collins with this Terminator vision like Target acquired. Yes. You're going the heck down. Yeah. And before Lizzie does storm out, she like she's a little dismissive of Lydia's vlogs. They're my viewers. Just because you talked at your phone for five minutes at Mary's doesn't mean you can steal my viewers. It's like another hint of those things of Lizzie just being dismissive toward her baby sister. And it comes up every now and then, but it's just like putting those little plot points of like, hey, Lizzie isn't really paying attention to Lydia. She's not watching her videos as far as we know. She maybe watched like one and was like, ugh, this is lame. And so like... Mm -hmm. Yeah, but she doesn't ever really have these moments where she raises Lydia up. It's all—it's yeah. a lot of putting her down. Yeah. Or being a dismissive 
defensive in a way where she's like, well, you know you're this way, so obviously I'm going to point this out. All you have to do is change. Huh, where how could we have gotten an idea like that from? Yeah. <laughs> Lydia then launches into costume theater with Collins, dragging Collins along, but he's completely willing to do it. So we see a lot of different interactions of costume theater with Mrs. Bennett and Mr. Bennett, Lizzie and Darcy, and Jane and Bing. Right, and he's kind of bamboozled into doing this yeah. because he came into Lizzie's bedroom with the express purpose of learning her creative process for coming up with ideas for her video. And Lydia's like, well, let's do it, except we're going to do only costume theater. I do love his impression of Mrs. Bennett yes. because he says exactly what's on his mind. He's like, oh, let's concoct a scheme to rectify the single... De- like." Let's concoct a scheme. You're you're like a bad guy giving a bad guy speech about why he's the bad yeah. guy, you know? Collins does give that bit of insight of like, well, Mrs. Bennett doesn't really talk like this. Like, why does Lizzie paint her in such this way? And like, Lydia does have that quite insightful uh, observation of like, Rule number one about Lizzie's diaries, they're Lizzie's diaries. She sees what she wants to see. Now stay in character. This is a completely like her side of the story she's not gonna like show a well-rounded version of like everyone and give them character development and like oh darcy was kind of nice to me today Mm -hmm. no she's gonna stick to what she thinks is true for her and i think that we can we're starting to see where lydia has inherited her mother's manipulative skills what's interesting is in the books lydia is actually mrs bennett's favorite daughter I think because she shares the same joy for indulgences and joy of life. And and she is sort of the one who knows how to properly flirt and knows how to catch a man, which are sort of qualities that Mrs. Bennett values. I mean, I'm actually looking at a sentence right here that says, Elizabeth was the least dear to her of all her children. And though the man and the match were quite good enough for her, the worth of each was eclipsed by Mr. Bingley and Netherfield. So basically, that's saying that even though she thinks that, and this is at the point when she thinks that Lizzie's going to end up with Mr. Collins. She's basically saying it's a good match, but like nothing could be better than Jane getting married to uh, Bingley. I think Lydia has her sights set on getting married as quickly as possible. And so that's why maybe Mrs. Bennett is like, yes, this is the best daughter. I have raised her well. She like <laughs> has finally, one of these daughters has finally learned everything I've been trying to teach them. So maybe yeah. that's why they're like a bit more bonded versus Elizabeth in the book who is not so willing to not not, not as like uh, rushed to get married or or wanting to get married for the wrong reasons mm-hmm. but even though it's like a sort of a life and death sort of thing where like either you are going to live in a nice home you know with a roof or you're going to be out on the street and like not be able to take care of your poor mother yep. but I really love the acting that goes on here because basically Lydia gets rid of Mr. Collins by getting all touchy-feely. Yeah. (laughs) Which is usually not how Lydia's used to getting rid of men. No. She makes Collins feel uncomfortable, and so he rushes out as quickly as possible. And we find out Lydia, this is exactly what she was trying to do all along to try to get him running away to finally be rid of him. Mission accomplished. I thought it was interesting that even though we have seen Lizzie kind of put down Lydia at times or dismiss everything she's doing... After the end screen, we do get that clip of Lizzie giving Lydia credit uh, about, hey, like that plan actually worked. That plan I didn't think would work or putting those two in a room together worked. 
Lydia deserves some credit for her amazing, if utterly disturbing, success at getting Ricky Collins to shut up and leave. And I don't think I had realized that clip was there after the end screen for a while. I don't know if I ever made it be on the end screen, so that was a fun uh, thing that was new for me. There's never anything after the end screen. Right, exactly. So yeah, for any listeners who may not have realized that either, uh, Jillian just watched the yeah. clip, but uh, there is a bit more of Lizzie vlogging after the end screen there, which was an interesting placement for it in general. I don't know why they would put it until after when people have stopped watching. Uh, it's, I mean, yeah. I mean it's, it's a bit of an Easter egg, but also like that's important. That's like a nice thing to include to show that Lizzie isn't as horrible of a big sister as we think. She still didn't let her little sister borrow her car. Yeah. But she gave her credit where credit's due, and this is, you know, master manipulator in training. So not much plot-wise really move forward. That was more fun character stuff between Lydia and Collins. But in the next episode, we do get some new developments. Episode 38, Tale of Two Gents, written by Kate Rorick. And the first thing that we find out is that Lizzie is texting Wickham. Dun, dun, dun. Of course, we don't know it's dun, dun, dun yet. Yeah. But <laughs> let this be a lesson to everyone out there. Just because somebody is texting you does not mean that you are everything to them. That was a bold statement. <laughs> we can take that back. Let's no, but I'm like, build to that. that. <laughs> like, that's definitely knowledge that Lizzie would have looking back on these videos. I don't know if Lizzie has that knowledge quite yet, but yes, that is a, a true statement for future Lizzie to reflect on. Well, it's funny for me because I just, because, you know, in like episode 60, Darcy finds out about these videos. And so I'm just imagining him going through watching all of these, having him watch this episode and screaming, no! at the screen because she's like like George Wickham is the most perfect guy ever like okay let's compare the qualities of Collins of Mr. Collins and Wickham and Wickham gets like six check marks and Ricky Collins only gets one yeah she's comparing Collins and Wickham it's not even like Darcy's in the running for anything he doesn't even get one check mark yeah Lizzie is quite enamored with George Wickham's charming shoulders. What's that? <laughs> she's saying he's a hunky dude and she's not admitting it. Well, yeah, I think that's the thing. It's like, who says charming shoulders? That's not really a thing that people say. But I love kind of watching, because Lizzie's sort of a very intelligent, cerebral person. And <laughs> we find out like how she flirts over text message from Lydia. <laughs> I would reply indignantly, but it's difficult from this massage chair, winky face. And it makes me question my skills because she's bad at it, but she's just like talking, you know? Yeah, and Lydia calls her out on the fact that this is one of the reasons why Lizzie is perpetually single. I mean, I think that we see the beginning of Lizzie being a bad at flirting when she says that it's nice to quote, engage in witty, intelligent conversation with a member of the opposite sex, I think if, like, imagine if you got that from a guy. Yeah. And it's like, thank you, I guess? I mean, like, 
it's actually a pretty Ricky Collins thing to say. It is. Because you remember when Ricky Collins was like, we must rectify, or we must concoct a scheme to rectify the single, don't, like, engage in witty, intelligent conversation with a member of the opposite sex. Like, it's just, it's laying out a lot of words that are almost too direct. <laughs> But Lizzie thinks she's doing great. Uh, she is very much so stuck to her phone with every new notification that comes up. And she thinks things are moving along splendidly. Even though he's several states away. This this is where it's interesting to see where uh, Lizzie's cynicism really lies. Because, and here's another thing I kind of remember reading from The Secret Diary of Lizzie Bennet. I remember in that book, Lizzie mentioned to Charlotte something about I know he was out of my league, dot, dot, dot. And then Charlotte's nice and she's like, no, 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 you were out of his league. Because let's have an honest conversation here. Wes Adderhold, who plays Wickham, ridiculously handsome. Like too handsome. Like almost like he was, you know, like, you know how I was talking about Barbie earlier? Okay. Like he's her <laughs> Ken doll, okay? okay? Like he's a person. He's a real person. He has feelings. Wes Satterhold, come on down! <laughs> Welcome to the Pemberley! I wish. I, like, couldn't handle it. I don't know if we'd be able to sit across from him. Because nah. that's, like, too pretty. Yeah, I'm like, don't look at my hideous face! <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna hide. This will be a remote interview. Oh, this will be a remote by phone. Yeah. I'll put, like, a bag on my head and be like, sure. <laughs> It'll be covered up like, no, Wes Satterhold, you know. So anyway... He's gorgeous, and I think it's possible Lizzie's thinking, a man this gorgeous has never paid attention to me, literally because I've never met a man this gorgeous before, you know? He makes women swoon. Now, because we know what ends up happening to the Bennett family, we ourselves are screaming, no, like, don't fall for him. But, I mean, I can kind of see from Lizzie's point of view, she's, like, sort of bookish. I'm sure she's had a couple nice boyfriends. We don't really know the kinds of guys that Lizzie has gone for in the past. Yeah, I think Lizzie has always taken a more serious approach. And so maybe that may have scared off some guys in the past. And now she feels like she's found an equal. She's found someone who she can, she can really engage with in conversation, like Hamilton or something. Like she's like, oh, you know, we're of like we're in, we're on equal terms here. Like we match each other. So this could move forward. So this is what it feels like to match wits with someone at your level. What the hell is the catch? Exactly. That's what she's <laughs> feeling like. It's interesting that she's like, I've found an equal. I I am engaging in witty intelligence conversation when Jane comes in and she's like "Ooh, like I've got a crush on George but like uh Ricky Collins is here and Jane is like well let's compare the two which why are they comparing the two there's really no nothing to compare there on one end she has someone who she may be romantically interested in and on the other end she has someone she has no interest in why are they being compared I mean maybe just for quality's sake I mean I think that I mean ultimately we learn that Collins is like better for her than Wickham because he's like evil. There are, there are like signs that I'm seeing here where I'm not sure that Lizzie would normally go for a guy like this because yeah. she's really interested in books and uh, communication and uh, reading, writing, classic novels, getting caught in the rain. Like that's her jam. I guess Wickham likes getting wet too because he's a swimmer. <laughs> he's a swimmer. <laughs> so they have that in common. But in general, he's kind of not really someone who seems to be interested in well, that Well, we stuff. don't know much about him. That's we true. only know that he has charming shoulders and that he's ridiculously attractive. That's all, we, like, from what she said, that's all we know about him. But given the fact that they are obviously engaging in, like, 
witty intellectual conversation over text, Lizzie has to see something more to him there than just his looks. Well, because yeah. this is just a text-based conversation that they're having. Flirtationship, if you will. Yes. Yeah, I mean, because think because Jane basically says, well, what is he passionate about? And Lizzie's like, George likes to talk about his passion for swimming and nurturing young athletes. Aww. That's so noble of him. <laughs> He's, He's a, a teacher. Yeah. You know, and like, no, that can be like an attractive quality. There was a comment, though, that did compare Wickham to possibly being like Ryan Lochte, the <laughs> Olympic swimmer, which I think Ryan Lochte, in case you didn't know, was the American Olympic swimmer who, uh, May not be the brightest of young men out there. <laughs> so. And he's also the moron who lied about getting, like, mugged, mugged in Brazil. Yeah. And got away with it. Yes. Jane is being very comforting and encouraging to Lizzie, though, as far as, like, how her relationship or whatever it is happening between Lizzie and Wickham is progressing. You know, she's saying, like, he's texting you. He's multiple states away. He's thinking about you. That's sweet. Different things she points out, she's like, aw, that's sweet. You know, that that's another check mark in the Wickham box. And so Wickham wins over Collins, which wasn't really a contest to begin with because it was a very biased contest. But Jane thinks everything is sweet. And yeah. Yeah, like it seems like, you know, Lizzie's kind of listing her standards here, which is, it's kind of like what she needs to, it's what everyone needs to have. Like, what am I looking for in a partner? Mm-hmm. And... From what she, I mean, but like, think about how much she knew George, you know, she like dated him for like two minutes when he was in town for a week and they're texting again. The problem with a texting conversation is that you really only see whatever side a person is showing to you. Like, yeah. you can, it's like social media. You get to show whatever you want and you don't really get to see who they are at all times, which is, I think, a big contributor to Lizzie's attraction to him. She's only seeing this really hot charming intelligent guy it doesn't really matter that his bone structure corresponds to every villain in every teen 80s movie (laughs) it was funny at the beginning though when lydia is mocking lizzie's flirting skills she kind of takes her phone away and has that line of i am so hot right now come over and give me a swimming lesson ew that's just gross actually that's just scent but kind of showing a bit more of Lydia's manipulative tactics of getting whatever, getting whatever she wants. Yeah. Collins will be over at dinner again. She doesn't want to sit next to him again. And so she uses this to get back at Lizzie and have Lizzie sit next to Collins. And it totally worked. She's a master manipulator. She's already learned so much from her mother. No wonder she's her favorite. <laughs> and then at the end, Lizzie texts back to Wickham and something happens with the autocorrect, but we will never know, I think. Uh, what was said? What she said? What she sent to Wickham? I'm actually living in suspense on that one because I rewatched that a few times, thinking, did she maybe dictate what she was typing into the phone, and I can pick out which word has a double entendre? But no, like I have no idea what she said. But she's really mad at herself. But she gets the guy anyway. And maybe, hopefully, one day if we ever have Kate Rourke on the show, we can ask her: Was there any autocorrect suggestions, or was Is that something that was never written out? We'll put her in the hot seat just like we did with Margaret. (laughs) Yes. This specific episode, episode 38, tell us. We'll include a list of episodes that she wrote being like, please study these. Remember (laughs) what you were thinking five years ago and come to us with answers. Jumping to the comment section now where we read original YouTube comments from when the episodes first aired. 
For episode 37, Lorne Dahl says, I'm beginning to think that Lydia is a secret evil genius, pretending to be vapid while she plays Puppet Master. Awesome. Yeah, no, that's what we've been talking about. Like, obviously, the party girl facade is just a ruse. Mm-hmm. And she is playing chess. And she think- she would have us think that she's playing checkers. Explain that line, because people oh, may not. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad you asked. Yes. Uh, this is, geez, this is a really obscure reference to a tweet that Lin-Manuel Miranda did. Yes. Jeez, like last year. Yeah. This was like around this time last year when someone caught like, oh, he said something in this song and then I heard it, or that same sound again in that song, in a different song, but they were saying the same thing. And he was like, y'all think I'm playing checkers. I'm playing chess. We'll try to explain our random references from now on. <laughs> Dakiti says, I'm looking at it this way. I think since the Pride and Prejudice storyline is being told in a year, we see more of grouchy Lizzie than we have been used to in other versions of the story. In a film adaptation, television adaptation, and heck, even the book, we only get a small glimpse of pissed off Lizzie. So from this point of view, I can understand why this characterization of Lizzie is the way it is. She's she's been very grouchy. I feel like for the last couple of episodes, we haven't had very nice things to say about Lizzie. No, and I mean, we are seeing Lizzie over the course of a year. These are like kind of day-to-day things that we're having to deal with along with her and sometimes there's nothing to talk about and so she kind of makes something out of nothing and other times she's kind of complaining yet again about someone yeah this lizzie is a little more whiny a little more complaining with this adaptation that's what kind of we get when we're only seeing one person's point of view of the story and that's these are the lizzie bennett diaries these aren't Mm. jane's these aren't lydia's even though lydia does have her own videos we're getting this one point of view and occasionally through costume theater we can get other people's point of view yep ant is not a bug says and this is referencing lydia and mr collins and i ship it oh right there were a few comments that were saying they ship Collins and Lydia. I mean, she gets very close with him. Like, she kind of really, like, snuggles up next to him and, like, adjusts his tie. And, like, that's when he's like, no, I can't, I can't, I can't. And he's so, an engaged man. He's an engaged man. Engaged is not married, but it's scandalous all the same. Amelia Kobe says, rule number one about Lizzie's diaries. They're Lizzie's diaries. She sees what she wants to see. Surprisingly insightful Lydia. Could this pertain to a certain man whose name rhymes with Marcy? Dun, dun, dun! Perhaps. Comments for episode 38. Renoa Hartley says, This series is doing a bad job of making me ship Lizzie and Darcy. She's supposed to hate Mr. Collins, but up until now, he's my favorite character. And now there's this Mr. Wickham with charming shoulders. Poor Mr. Darcy can't even compare because he doesn't even have a face yet. Let alone shoulders. Yes. We have no idea how charming they are. Yeah, there's really no one to ship. I think at this point, if you like aren't familiar with Pride and Prejudice, you're like, yeah, Lizzie, go with Wickham. Forget <laughs> Darcy. Who cares about Darcy? Screw this guy. Yeah. Gabrielle McKenzie says, I just imagined Lochte as Wickham and I just got all excited. And not going to happen, but that's what Wickham looks like to me until I see his face. And they're both total douches, so it fits. Well, I've never met Ryan Lochte, <laughs> but if his behind-the-scenes personality is what he really is, then, you know, not really my type. Which is what this episode is all about. My type. <laughs> <laughs> 
send this link to future suitors of yes. Jillian. <laughs> Screw online dating. I'll, I'll just direct everyone to this episode. There's a comedian named Carmen Lynch who has a line where she's like, I've given up online dating. What I do now is that I just walk outside and hope. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think I've heard this before? Yeah. <laughs> that's what they did back then. You just walked outside and hoped. Because that's what we did back then. Yeah. <laughs> Remy Ward says, I thought Lizzie was a little too pompous in these videos until I got off my ass and actually read the book. She fits perfectly. These videos are so much better now that I've read it. <laughs> I think it's funny this person got off his or her ass to read the book. I usually get on my ass to read a book. <laughs> We're not being so technical with this comment. But, Still, that's uh, good. Interesting that like they realize after reading the book, yeah, oh yeah, Elizabeth is a very pompous character. I now relate to, or I now get to this Lizzie Bennet character. Well, and this is another example of how the Lizzie Bennet diaries have inspired a whole new generation of people to read Pride and Prejudice. I guess this comment doesn't really say, though, whether that makes it better or worse <laughs> of like now that i know she's pompous i understand the the reasoning behind her always ranting jm Mimi says best one in a while lizzie was sweet and witty not whiny and she hardly used that fake annoyed voice that grates on my nerves she is getting more like the character elizabeth bennett Ricky and George's storylines and the family's finances are being better explored. Nice job, cast, writers, editors. Oh, sounds like a very nice award show acceptance. Yes. <laughs> Fake annoyed voice. What's that one? Ah, maybe it's when she kind of sounds like this, like the Ray <laughs> Romano voice. Ah! <laughs> Got ah, it. my brother's tool. Ah! <laughs> Got I hope it. that's like not lost on our listener. I mean, it's a little lost on me. So. I feel like everybody loves Raymond was kind of like the generation before you and me. Yeah, like we were kids when it was popular for like grown ups. Yes, I just like there's been a lot of reruns. Got on, it. So on, you know. So I, I just so saw it. again, if you understand these references, please tweet at us. So. <laughs> I can understand what Jillian is referencing. Just <laughs> figure out what she's talking about. She's like, this is my podcast partner and I can't help her here. <laughs> Someone decode this for me. <laughs> we all need to be decoded. So with the mention of Wickham, hopefully that means there's more Wickham coming up soon. But in the meantime, we still get more of Lizzie whining about life. <laughs> well, if one were to believe thumbnails... He's making an appearance in episode 45, so... We, we, we're closing in on 45. So close, like, oh, we're more new people. We've been <laughs> waiting for him so long. Episode 45. Ugh, seven more. Seven more people. We promise. It'll be like a celebration <laughs> when we finally get to 45. Like, special episode. <gasps> Let's actually get Wes Adder. Hold on. Like, I can't look at his face. But like, <laughs> I like to imagine. First of all, I hope he's not listening to this. Wait, for episode 45? For episode we have 45, like, guests? we have him gab with us. Like, we're sitting around the table with, with the donuts. I <laughs> that hope he, he, I he hope wouldn't he, touch. I hope he's a donut man. Anyway, they're the best <laughs> donuts in Burbank. Anyway, I. Let's get him to gab and dish, and we'll be like, oh my gosh, we're like best friends. <laughs> Hug me. <laughs> That's enough, but enough of me being really creepy. <laughs> that about wraps it up for this episode. Check out our social media. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at The Pemberley. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Pemberley. 
And if you'd like to talk to us directly or have any questions, email us at thepemberlypodcast at gmail.com. Especially if your name is Wes Adderhold. And to support the podcast, donate to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash thepemberly or leave us a review on iTunes. That helps other people to find this podcast. You can find links to all of these pages on our WordPress page, thepemberlypodcast.wordpress.com, where we also include links to anything we mentioned on the show. Thanks again for listening. Bye! Bye.